The LinkedIn Podcast Network is sponsored by Medtronic. Medtronic is dedicated to the pursuit of life-transforming health tech. From AI to robotics and beyond, we're reinventing what's possible, and we're just getting started. Visit Medtronic.com to learn more. LinkedIn presents. None of the things that we look for in online dating are particularly correlated with long-term romantic happiness. So, you know, you could imagine, okay, if someone ends up with someone really hot in 10 years, 20 years, they're going to still be having wild sex. They're going to be showing their hot partner off to friends at parties. They're going to still be happier in their relationship. Not true at all. There's basically no correlation with long-term happiness. We are living in a golden age of data, whether it's your Google searches, your viewing and listening habits, your GPS location, or your online dating preferences you are now more knowable, more quantifiable than any human has ever been. Much of this data about you is controlled by corporations who want to use it to sell you things. But more and more of it is falling into the hands of scientists who can look at that trail of digital breadcrumbs you leave behind every day and get an unprecedented look at human behavior, behavior that was until recently inscrutable. For example, by studying dating apps, we can learn what people are really attracted to, not what they think they're attracted to, not what they say they're attracted to, but what they actually swipe right on. My guest this week, the data scientist Seth Stevens-Davidowitz, looked at just that information from dating sites, and then he compared it with studies of long-term compatibility in couples. What he found, as documented in his book, Don't Trust Your Gut, Using Data to Get What You Really Want in Life is that we're largely focusing on the wrong things. Most people are dating all wrong. The data proves it. We try to date people with traits that are unlikely to make us happy. I'm going to compare data on what people look for and what makes people happy. First, what people look for. No surprise here, people try to date beautiful people. The conventional attractiveness of a mate is the number one predictor for how many messages that person can expect in online dating. This is true for both men and women. People try to date tall men. People try to date people with sexy occupations. People try to date people of certain races. People try to date people similar to themselves. They are more likely to date someone who shares their religion, shares their occupation, went to the same college. They're even more likely to try to date someone who shares their same initials. Some of this behavior is clearly silly and irrational. Someone sharing your initials is not going to lead to long-term happiness. But what about these other traits that people are drawn to? Do lawyers or firefighters make for better mates? Do people end up happier if they partnered up with a beautiful person or a tall person or someone from a similar background? The largest study of romantic relationships in history analyzed the happiness of 11,000 couples. They examined hundreds of variables in every couple. They saw which one correlated with how happy people were in their romantic lives. The results? The researchers found that most variables had little to no predictive power. Occupation of a partner doesn't matter. Race of a partner doesn't matter. Conventional attractiveness of a partner doesn't matter. Height of a partner doesn't matter. So what does predict romantic happiness? The variables that have some predictive power are psychological traits of that partner. A partner being conscientious, being happy, having a growth mindset, having what is called a secure attachment style. So how should you date based on data? 
pay less attention to the traits that are highly competed over in the dating market. Better yet, focus more of your attention on people who are lacking these highly compete over traits that don't turn out to make people happy. Look harder at people's psychological traits. This is what leads to happiness in the long term. Seth, welcome to the next Big Idea Daily. Glad to have you here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm looking forward to talking to you about your book, Don't Trust Your Gut. Now, First of all, why shouldn't I trust my gut? I I, I kind of like my gut. It usually steers me more or less right, I think. Well, there's a lot of evidence that if you compare what we think we should do versus the data, the data does a lot better. So judges trying to decide whether someone should be committed, put in jail, just a simple algorithm will do better than the judge themselves frequently in making that decision or teachers trying to decide whether to advance a student in a class, just an algorithm will frequently beat uh, the teacher's own opinion. Uh So we think that we're good. We think we know what we're doing, but frequently just very simple algorithms kind of defeat us. And is it really because we're just vulnerable as humans? You know, the judge might be hungry or cranky for some other reason and make a bad call. The teacher might have some other thing going on in their life. Yeah, we have all these biases that kind of algorithms can correct. I'm as all in on data as you can be. And when I thought about how I make my big decisions, how I dated when I was single or how I picked my careers or how I spend my time to try to be happier, if I'm going to be totally honest, I'm basically winging it. Yeah. (laughs) So that was the motivation for this book that, okay, if you believe as I do that data should be the source that we look for to make our biggest decisions, then let's actually see what that data says on some of these big decisions. Okay, why don't we get into your first big idea, which is that we should focus on psychological traits in dating. Yes, the main thing the data on dating tells us is that we're all dating basically all wrong. From dating sites, we now know what people are looking for. And it's a lot of the things you'd expect. So the number one predictor of both a man and a woman getting a lot of swipes and messages responded to and messages sent is being conventionally attractive. Tens, nines, eights get a lot more messages than the threes, twos, ones. And, you know, no surprise there. So hot people are highly desired. Tall men, uh, each additional inch of height as a male is worth about $150,000 on the dating market, kind of shockingly large height premium. So just just to spell out what that means, a heterosexual woman would rather date a poor tall man than a rich short man. That's that's right. Yeah. (laughs) Unless you're really, really, really rich. And again, these are averages. I'm a relatively shorter man, I would say. And I've uh, had girlfriends and Uh many of my girlfriends (laughs) just haven't cared about height. So, (laughs) you know, you just have to find the group that doesn't care. But on average, uh, certainly height in males is highly desired. Males in certain occupations, firemen, men in the military, lawyers do very well, even controlling for their income. People with sexy names, names mm. like Peter, Jacob, very attractive for reasons I don't mm. understand. And there, there are weird racial dynamics in it too, right? Yeah, that's another one. We talk about racism in the criminal justice system, the labor market, and obviously those are really, really important issues. But if anything, the evidence for racism in dating is even stronger. Uh, The bonus that white males get in dating, the disadvantage that Asian males get, African-American women really, really punished in dating sites, much less likely to 
get messages to get their messages responded to. I found that fascinating that you said the other people who did well on dating sites other than people who were very conventionally attractive were people who had some extreme look about them, a shaved head or dyed hair or something like that, that they did maybe not as well as the super hot people, but they got more attention. Yeah, I think it's more general phenomenon that if you don't have the traits that are naturally going to bring you to the top of the dating market, how can you get dates and the mistake that people in this situation make is to try to compete at the same level of the gorgeous people. So you're not going to wear a suit that makes you look better than George Clooney, or you're not going to have a dress that makes you look better than Natalie Portman. So you got to kind of find your niche yeah. market. So it doesn't even have to be in the physical dimension. You know, I give my own example where I don't think it's going to surprise anybody that I've been told that I'm very, very nerdy. <laughs> And in my single days, people told me, maybe you should try to be less nerdy, you know, like, stop talking about variants and standard deviations and confidence intervals on your first date. And <laughs> I, I think that's the wrong advice for someone like me. I think <laughs> the right advice is nerd it up, just be who you are. My only chance for a woman I'm very attracted to is to have her be into you know, a nerd, and then I'll be the nerdiest nerd, right? right? <laughs> Just be an extreme version of yourself and then find your target audience. So we know that, you know, on dating sites, people are looking for these traits, many of them superficial traits. Do these traits actually predict long-term happiness? And there's another recent study, 2019, machine learning model, Samantha Joel and 85 other scientists, they looked at more than 11,000 couples, hundreds of variables on each couple, and they tested, okay, what leads to basically long-term romantic satisfaction, romantic happiness. Mm -hmm. I think the first thing they found is that none of the things that we look for in online dating are particularly correlated with long-term romantic happiness. So, you know, you could imagine, okay, if someone ends up with someone really hot in 10 years, 20 years, they're going to still be having wild sex. Mm -hmm. They're going to be showing their hot partner off to friends at parties. Mm -hmm. They're going to still be happier in their relationship. Not true at all. There's basically no correlation with long-term happiness. Similarly, with height or names or being in a certain occupation, race, no correlation. The things that have the biggest correlations with long-term romantic happiness in a partner are various psychological traits, things like having a growth mindset, secure attachment style, satisfaction with life, conscientiousness, kind of someone with a good head on their shoulders Yeah, seems to be what increases your odds of being happy in the long term. But again, those aren't the things that people look for in a romantic partner necessarily. Yeah. They're not the things that grab our attention. So, yeah. Satisfaction with life, I, I guess that just means a, a happy person. If, if you hook up with a happy person, there's a better chance you guys will make it than if you hook up with a miserable person, right? That makes sense. As a miserable person, I kind of didn't like <laughs> presenting that finding to the world. <laughs> I mean... Presumably, we don't need a perfect score on all of these because I don't think any of us do. But conscientiousness. So could you say a little bit more about what that is and what that looks like in a relationship? It's kind of just following through with what you say, being on the ball, being disciplined. You know, when you're 10 years in and your partner never does the laundry when they say they're going to do the laundry, never brings out the trash, mm. that's going to annoy the hell out of you, even if they're hot. Yeah. And have a sexy name. But the other factors that you say predict happiness in a long-term relationship are a growth mindset in your partner. Could you say just a little bit more about what that looks like? 
Yeah, so that's a Carol Dweck phenomenon, growth mindset versus fixed mindset. So a fixed mindset thinks that kind of you are who you are and you're good at what you're good at and you're bad at what you're bad at. And someone with a growth mindset believes that they can improve. So you could imagine that that would be very useful in all aspects of relationships Mm -hmm. and having a partner who doesn't believe that they're as good as they're ever going to be, but they can, through feedback, improve their performance would presumably make for a good long-term relationship. Okay. So then if these are the predictors of long-term relationship success, when we're on our first date with someone, should we hand them a personality quiz and try to quickly figure out if they meet these criteria? I mean, I don't know. You need to do it on the first date, but (laughs) somewhat early combined with looking for potential red flags. Mm whether in these dimensions, signs that they might not be so conscientious or have a growth mindset or satisfaction with life. Yeah. Well, and how fixed are these traits? If we are single and want to make ourselves more dateable, should we be trying to develop our conscientiousness and our secure attachment style? If you have a growth mindset, Mm -hmm. you would believe that you could (laughs) develop these. So yes, I would say uh, you definitely can improve all these aspects yourself to try to make yourself into a better potential partner. If you have been lucky enough to find a compatible life partner, one possible outcome is having children. And if that's the road you've gone down, you're going to want to come back tomorrow to hear Seth share what the data tells us about parenting. Because you've probably gotten a lot of advice about how to raise your kids from friends and family, books and articles, and almost all of it, Seth says, is wrong. Come back tomorrow to find out why. I'm Michael Kavnet. Thanks for listening.